previously on Transformers Chronicles. And you guys are blessed with the wonderful, the unique, the verbose, the man of many impressions, Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht, is coming to Transformers Chronicles for issue number 10 to join Pat and to join John. So you guys are in for a treat, I think. Oh, crap. That was this month? Oh, man. I can't even remember who's supposed to be on. Hey, John, what's up? Oh, hi there. Uh, don't mind me. I'm just looking at this piece of paper that is in no way a note reminding me of who you are. Jason! Jason, nice to see you, buddy. You're definitely a person that I completely know and I'm excited to have on the show. Well, I'm glad I could be on, although I don't really know all that much about these comics. So is it okay if I ask you a few questions so I can be prepared for the show? Oh, sure. Can Megatron fly? Easy one. No, we can't. Not in the comic, anyway. Oh, are we asking questions? I have a whole bunch of them. Why do you drive on a parkway and then park on a driveway? Well, that's not really part of what we're doing. And when the Constructicons form Devastator, where does his gun come from? And how come he's much larger than the six Constructicons would be if they actually merged together? Yeah, that is kind of a weird one. Uh, you see, I think it has something to do with the- Which weighs more, the Chrysler Building or the Empire State Building? What? And what kind of name is Devastator for a combination of things called Constructicons? I mean, it doesn't really scream building stuff, does it? Uh, I'm not really sure. And what are Bomber Bill's tech specs? <sighs> and why do they put on and off on a light switch? None of these questions will be answered tonight. However, stay tuned for an iconic story filled with action, adventure, song, lyrics, and more tonight on Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. And is Chudley even Cooley? <laughs> Or is Cooley Chudley? I'm so confused. Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. In case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing's all about. We are going for a wild, crazy ride chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. In case you're not new to the show, you are noticing that the voice currently serenading your ears is not your usual host, Delvin, but instead is that of his co-Sherpa, John. I will be handling hosting duties this time around. <laughs> he said duty. <sighs> yes, I did. And, therefore, I won't be going it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions. First up, a man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers before now. It happens. So he wants to see what all the fuss is about. These robots in disguise. He is the founder of the Longbox Crusade and all-around cool guy, Pat Sampson's, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Welcome, Pat. Hey. That was a good Fonzie? Yeah. Well, you call um, me a cool guy. I got to go, hey. Oh, I see. Should be like a Fonzie bot. Like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Turns so, into a motorcycle. That's right. Now you're in the spirit. Yep. Or a jukebox. Jukebox, yeah. That's a good one, too. <laughs> so, anything fun going and interesting going on in your life right now? Oh, no, just a lot of work going on and everything else going on. It's been a busy summer so far, so... I uh, know the feeling. 
Now, some of you may be wondering why you are listening to me instead of the soothing baritone of my co-Sherpa. And that's because Delvin will not be joining us today. Oh, no. Now, now, before you stop the podcast and throw your phones in the river, hear me out. Now, a little over a month ago, a question was placed to Crusader Club members about doing a switcheroo with another show on the network. Well, you spoke and we listened. We shipped Delvin over to Action Film Face-Off. Man, I hope he got there okay. And they shipped us someone back. Now, you can join the Crusader Club members in there having the finger on the pulse of the goings-on of the Longbox Crusade by joining up. So what are you waiting for? Go to Patreon.com and pick your level of contribution. For as little as $1, you can avoid missing out on these important news messages. It's like a uh, quarter of an Energon cube. A one quarter of <laughs> one Energon cube. With all of that said, you may have noticed that the voice in the background is that of none other than... Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. Weasel Skull, a.k.a. the Better Albrecht Brother. Jason, welcome to Transformers Chronicles. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Now the listeners can throw their headphones into the into the river there. Yeah, I did kind of <laughs> oversell you, too. You've really got something to <laughs> work up to, man. No, right. yeah. Well, I'm sure that Delvin's having a great job over on uh, Action Film Face-Off. I'm sure he's representing well, you know, promoting those silver hands. I'm looking forward to uh, learning a little bit of Transformers here on the show with you two gentlemen. Oh, that is good. He better be doing good over there. Otherwise, we don't let him back. That was the agreement. Yeah, I don't want him to do too well over there, though. <laughs> Point. All right. Yeah, you mentioned learning about Transformers. Uh, what's your history with the franchise, with the medium? Um, did you play with them as kids? Did you watch cartoon? Well, let me take you back. Let me regale you with a little tale. Oh, here we go. Pat, right. Pat kick back. Yep. Just saw something to drink. So it's, when did these come out? 81, 82, something like that? 84. 84. Okay. So I was, I was about 12, 13 years old at the time. So I was just getting out of toys and getting more into hanging out with friends and stuff. But Two toy lines came out near back-to-back. One was Transformers, the other was G.I. Joe. And I was like, these are both really cool. So I'm walking down my toy aisle, G.I. Joe on one side, Transformers on the other. And I'm gravitating over to those Transformers, and I'm looking at like, oh, how much is this Optimus Prime? And uh, yeah, I had to transform my broken over to the other side of the aisle <laughs> and became a G.I. Joe fan. But along the way, I did play with some Transformers with uh, some of my friends had them. The cartoon was coming out around that time. So I went and hung out from those friends of mine that had cable and I could watch the Transformers cartoon. So I, I knew of it. I was there the movie when the first animated movie came out. I enjoyed that a whole heck of a lot. So I'm not exactly um, unfamiliar with it, but I am nowhere near as expert as you are, John. Well, I will do our best to uh, alleviate that as we go. Now, you do have a small part in the formation of this very podcast, Jason. This podcast started after a conversation that uh, Delvin, Pat, and myself happened after I listened to an episode of Longbox Crusade where you guys were talking about uh, G.I. Joe versus Transformers. <laughs> that was one of the first uh, Longbox Crusade of any kind that I wound up listening to, and I, I guess I kind of liked you guys, so here we all are. Said music to your ears. <laughs> I've learned a lot about the Transformers just listening to the show. I've really enjoyed it. And as I've shared with Pat and Delvin, and I'll share it with you now, I mean, as somebody that was relatively unschooled in the history of Transformers uh, and kind of coming at it with a clean palette, 
if you will. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed your show. I really think the format is top notch. You guys do great summaries. It's lots of fun here and you banter back and forth and you guys put together a good product here. Oh, well, thank you very much, Jason. I see that my check cleared then. That's right, Pat. I'm yep. watching my PayPal account. Yep. Here, let me put that in there right now. There you go. Thank All you. All right. Yes. Okay. Like I said, they're you'll, they're really good. You'll get the rest after the show. All right. Let's see how you do. Well, we can't forget about John. So, John, anything new and interesting to report? Hmm. Uh, for me, I've been pretty boring lately, but I did want to mention a couple of things going on in Transformer land that... You guys and our listeners might be interested in if they weren't aware. There is a four-part uh, miniseries right now, uh, which is Transformers Ghostbusters, mm. which is what? to celebrate the anniversary of both franchises, both of which started in 1984. And it is incredible. They draw it to look exactly like the animated figures of the Transformers. Uh, the Ghostbusters uh, look like... There's three Ghostbusters comic books right now. There's one that's uh, based off of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. There's one that's based off of the new movie. And one that's based off of the old movie. This is the one based off of the old movie. Nice. They're not doing one with the monkey? Oh, right. Those were just... No, those were the unreal Ghostbusters, as I, I recall. Like that one, though. That was fun. I remember seeing those in the Sears Robot catalog and getting really confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and also, this one's more in tune with what we're doing here. I think it's within just another, a couple of weeks of the recording of this, it'll probably be out by the time this airs, is Simon Furman, who is the second writer on this Transformers series that we're reading right now, after Bob Budiansky leaves, Simon Furman takes out, he takes over. He was also the writer, primary writer on the UK comics, is going to be writing a one-shot called Transformers 1984 Issue Zero. It is a prequel to this series. Wow. Ooh. Nice. So we might have to cover that on the show. Yeah, I was going to say, we might have to do a special episode. The three of us will, as usual, be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. And we are 10 issues into it, guys. That's kind of a milestone. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. Say it again. We're at issue 10. Yeah. Can you believe it? (laughs) <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 10, let's sing a song about 10. Now, Pat will be encountering these comics for the first time, and I will answer any questions he has to the best of our abil- well, my ability. Usually, Delvin would be here, too, but instead Ooh. we have Jason, so I guess I'll be answering both of their questions to the best of my ability. Twice the ignorance. How- yeah, we might hey. be able to break them. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you guys have been trying for ten episodes, nine and a half episodes already, so we'll see if you two can... Combine your powers and form Captain Ooh. Planet. Break me. Uh, me and Jason can form into like a giant or robot. Yeah, if you get four of your friends. Oh, you know. <laughs> we got to make four friends, Pat. Oh, that, that might be a little <laughs> tough. Maybe yeah. I'll put that out there. If anybody wants to be part of Jason and I's bigger Constructicon here, help us out. We're looking for four more people. Mm-hmm. And only if you guys can come up with a cool name for what your gestalt would be called Ooh. when you're all together. Oh, so, man. So, long Boxicon, oh, Long Boxabot. Yeah, Satercon. There you go. You're Satercon. I like it. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll network. We'll work it out. In any case, this podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, gentlemen, how about we talk some Transformers? Let's do it. Yep. All right. We will do that right after this promo break. <laughs> <laughs> The Transformers will return after these messages. 
coming to media players everywhere in 2017 from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beginning with the origin of his comic book fandom and ending with the destruction of the universe. Professor Zoom Yukinori leads a monthly expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. While promising unique celebrity guest perspectives in an ambitious attempt to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Thrill to the imagination. Bask in the brilliance. Experience the wonder of... The Done in One Wonders Podcast Wonder Show. Discover how compressed storytelling can broaden one's mind. Listen for it wherever Fire and Water Podcast Network podcasts are networking. We now return to the Transformers. All right, welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers number 10. Here is the cover description by me. Thanks, me. In the corner box, we have the classic Marvel banner in the upper left, along with a great picture of Optimus Prime posing with his laser rifle and pointing at you, the reader, as if to say he suspects you are a pod person, like every issue since issue five. At the top of the cover are the words more than meets the eye above the classic The Transformers logo, both in red letters with orange-yellow trim, which gives it kind of a neat effect. Kyle Baker returns to draw an action-packed cover this month. Prominent and facing slightly to the right of the viewer is a giant Decepticon, who we've learned is named Devastator. Devastator is blasting Ironhide, who faces away from us with a large gun in his right hand. Devastator's left hand is finishing a giant sweep of the area, which has knocked back Bumblebee and has sent Blue Streak sailing into the air. To the left and slightly beyond Devastator are Hound and Huffer, both shown in various stages of Not On Their Feet. In the left background, Soundwave is shown attached by wires to some sort of satellite dish. And in the bottom of the right of the cover, in blue letters, is the phrase, Dawn of the Devastator. All right, when they were kids, Ivan Chudley and Andrew Leyland read this story in Marvel UK Transformers issues 35 and 36. 35 was a cool drawing of Shockwave, uh, working with what are obviously the Constructicon brains. It was by Will Simpson, who does a lot of their covers there. And he also did a lot of Hellblazer, Batman, and Transformers uh, UK stuff, including the Target 2006 arc, which is probably the most famous arc of that run. Uh, Issue 36 is a reprint of the U.S. cover. Even my jaded heart cannot find much to complain about on this cover. I would happily place a poster of this on my wall near my imaginary poster of the cover of issue 5. My only minor quibble is the satellite and sound wave don't look as detailed as the rest of the page, but only just. All right, Pat, you're encountering this cover for the first time. We will start with you as usual. What did you think of this? Well, I don't think I'm going to think of it as highly as you do. It's kind of simply looking to me. Maybe it's because you got all that open background in the sky. Sure. And then the open uh, of the, you know, the mountain, the kind of the background, the ground that's there, too. Kind of a little interesting, but not really eye-grabbing to me. But then again, uh, you know, you know what's happening, and so you probably got a little more love for it than I do. Well, sure. And that's why we ask you first. We want to know what it's like for somebody who just comes right across that. And I'm quality is relative. I'm wondering, though, you know, we always talk about the uh, the corner box. Mm-hmm. 
wondering how long Prime is going to stand there like that. Uh, he will be there until at least the mid-20s. Oh, okay. Then decide to go some with somebody else. Well, don't tell me who yes. else, though. I want to see. I will not. I will not. I will just tell you it's someone that we have seen in the comic already. Is it Huffer? <laughs> you called it. No. Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. Jason, what do you think of this cover? I think I'm kind of middle of the road between you and Pat. Some of the things that I really like, I think that that red Transformers logo really pops I like on that, that yeah. on that baby blue background. I think that looks really cool. The Optimus corner logo, quite honestly, is pretty legit. I yeah. think that's, uh, that's pretty tough looking right there. I like that. It looks like Devastator. The artist spent some time on Devastator and then like ran out of time in the deadline. <laughs> oh, crap. Let me yeah. throw yeah. some ground here. And then just, I think that the Autobots kind of got uh, the short shrift. I don't know if the artist was in a rush, but the level of detail between Devastator and the Autobots that are surrounding him, you know, that's pretty apparent to me. Definitely fair. Yeah, that's been kind of an epidemic of covers over the last few months. Yeah. And I think, didn't you say in your, one of your previous episodes that they've gone to like bi-weekly on this one? That's the, the UK one. The okay. And they were able to do so because it was mostly US reprints they were doing, so. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe it was just they had to rush the cover or something. But uh, but overall, I mean, I think the Devastator looks really cool. The Transformers logo looks pretty cool. It's good action cover. And it accurately depicts the story inside, mm-hmm. which I always liked. I hated it as a kid when, it's, when it had this big action pose cover and then it's, the inside didn't measure up. Oh, man, you and my wife would get along totally. That is her biggest pet peeve. Oh, I hated that as a kid. It's like, oh, you sold me on this Constructicon. <laughs> Constructicon, man. But yeah, so I think I'm, I'm kind of middle of the road on this one, somewhere between you and Pat. Well, let's see what those numbers wind up being. For those of you that don't know, uh, we rate things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs on the original toys, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. But you don't need a red plastic rectangle in order to read them here. That is how easy we make things for you, the listener. All right. I lost mine. I lost my rectangular red plasticky thingy. That is too bad. Yeah. I've got two somehow. No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hmm. I I think I see what's going on. (laughs) It's more than speaking on that. As as an aside, I had to pick up. They reissued the two pack with Rumble and Ravage in it that has the original packaging, um, has the tech specs on the back, but does not have the little red rectangle thing. So I had to squint and look at it like we used to do as a kid. (laughs) So that was pretty neat. I finally got a Ravage. I've wanted him since I was a kid. Cool. All right. Well, Pat, let's go first. What do you think of this number? Uh, this cover number-wise? I'm going to keep this middle of the road. Just get mm-hmm. a five, you know. It's, sure. it's all right. You know, I really like the Transformers logo on it. It really pops. And like Jason said, Devastator does look cool. So I'm giving it middle of the road. Fair enough. All right. How about you, Jason? What do you say? Well, I guess this is the first one. So this is kind of hard for me. I'm breaking ground here. I'm going to say seven. I think this is a seven cover for me. Yeah, that's all right. So we got a five and a seven. I'm going to give this an eight. I would have given it a nine, but listening to you guys, I did make some of the little flaws a lot clearer to me. I do love the 
the red Transformers logo yeah, with the, the orange trim. That's really cool looking. And Devastator looks great. I do love seeing Blue Streak flying off in the background. That's pretty cool. Mostly because I never liked Blue Streak. <laughs> well, today's your day because he got yeah. tasted. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got the cover rated. Let's get to the issue itself. And here is Pat with the credits for the issue. All right. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Let's look at Transformers number 10 with the title of The Next Best Thing to Being There. Published there was Morrow. Got a cover date of November 1985, but it was on sale date of August 13th, 1985. Cover price, just 75 cents. Writer is Bob Budiansky. Penciler Ricardo Villamante. Is he new? Yep, he's brand new for this one. Oh, I think okay. this is the only issue he does. As a penciler, okay. Inker is Brad K. Joyce. Letter is Janice Chang. Colorist, Nelson Yamtov. And editor, we say goodbye to Christopher. You got another thing coming, Priest. He must have had something else coming because he's leaving. <laughs> and with that, we welcome Mike Carlin, who will stick around until sometime around issue 20. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net for that information. Back to you, John. We got Mike Carlin taking over, and he does uh, oversee a rather quality-filled run on the issue. He sticks around until the mid-20s, and these are arguably the strongest issues from like 9 up to 25 or so, so that's interesting. And I, I know Mike Carlin from the Superman titles in the late 80s, early 90s, which he was when he edited them and did a really good job. So let us get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world At the Decepticon's base of operations in the captured aerospace plant, Shockwave's five-issue project is nearing fruition. A dazzling display of electricity highlights the birth of the Constructicons, Long Haul, Scrapper, Mixmaster, Hook, Scavenger, and Bone Crusher. These newly born Decepticons immediately transform into their construction vehicle modes and prepare to roll out. Back of the Ark, millionaire industrialist Tony Stubb, I mean GB Blackrock, is being given the tour and he is awestruck by the sights he sees as he visits the Ark. He watches Jazz get his arm reattached like it was no big thing, but also views the non-functional form of Sunstreaker, who Jazz says may never be operational again. Blackrock also encounters Huffer, who is working on a means to contact their planet of origin, where their thoughts are escaping, Cybertron, where the music's playing, Blackrock then remembers that he's around robots, so he doesn't have to be shy about admitting that he has wiretapped his factory's phones, specifically for the stated purpose of spying on his employees. Which turns out to be a good thing, as Huffer briefly is pulled away from gazing at the image of Cybertron, dreaming of a ticket for his destination, in order to rig up a tap into the tap so that the Autobots can now spy on the Decepticons. In your face, Fourth Amendment to the Constitution and the Omnibus Safe Streets Act of 1968, which lays down specific rules and harsh penalties for wiretapping, BlackRock is not going to let the nanny state prevent 
them from beating the Decepticons. Prowl then gets a message from Bumblebee who reports that yet another Decepticon, this time Laserbeak, managed to completely school the U.S. Army which allows the Constructicons to get past them. Prowl orders Bumblebee to follow them and sends reinforcements to meet up with him. Let's see what the humans are up to. Sparkplug's been released from the hospital and is amazed to see that Buster apparently was able to fix all the vehicles he'd had in his shop. While Buster is amazed with his control over metallic objects that allowed him to do this, but he's keeping this information to himself as he does. At a diner in Idaho, we meet Bomber Bill, a truck driver who is excited to be on his way home, where his love lies waiting silently for him. Silently for him. This is complicated by the fact that the Constructicons show up and trash the place in the parking lot on their way to an unknown location, stealing several semis, including Bomber Bill's. Bill runs to the road in an attempt to flag someone down to follow them and sees the Autobots rushing by on the highway. Bill manages to leap out into the road and stop Huffer. And then after the standard, there's no one in the car. You can talk! The, the two instantly bond over the fact that they both want to be homeward bound. The Autobots reconnect with Bumblebee, who reports that the Constructicons, along with Soundwave, are building something massive in a nearby gravel quarry. Huffer recognizes it as a much larger version of what he's working on at the Ark, a radio wave scrambler, something that if completed will allow them to call Cybertron on the line. The Autobots move to destroy it, but even before they can transform into their robot mode, Soundwave gets the odd order of Constructicons combined. The Constructicons do so, merging together to form the gigantic, even by Transformer standards, Devastator. Prowl orders Huffer to destroy the Scrambler while the rest futilely attempt to stop Devastator. Huffer reaches the Scrambler, but hesitates, not wanting to destroy that which would allow him to call Cybertron any, any time. Suddenly, the Scrambler springs to life, sending its message to Cybertron. While Huffer stands there like an idiot, Devastator KOs him with a massive left. Bomber Bill's truck somehow was not destroyed like the others because plot, and since in the 10 minutes he's known the Autobots, he's become a believer in their cause, he drives the truck into the connecting wiring of the Scrambler. Soundwave ain't happy about this and picks the truck up above his head. Huffer recovers, punches Soundwave, and rescues Bomber Bill. Soundwave considers their mission accomplished as the message, at least most of it, was transmitted, and he and the Constructicons transform and leave. Back at the Ark, the Autobots and GB hear the, via the wiretap that Optimus seems to be preventing Shockwave from accessing the creation matrix to give life to a new Autobot, and wonders aloud why he should keep Prime alive. The next issue promises Jetfire, which makes me, and I'm assuming Pat, very excited. Oh yeah, I'm excited for Jetfire. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this thing. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comics, starting with but not limited to goods and bads, and then everyone discusses, and then we go on for a while until we're bored. Let's start with our guest today. So, Jason, you got a good or a bad, a high or a low, a thing to say? Well, I was really interested in the Constructicons. I remembered them vaguely from my time as a kid, and I thought they were pretty cool. Uh, they looked pretty cool in this comic. I think the only kind of criticism that I have is... I don't think the art really did them justice. I, I would have liked to have seen some larger panels and a little more detail for each of these Constructicons. I thought they deserved a little more yeah. artistic rendering. 
Yeah, I mean, the art is, I guess, I'm the word uneven is overused by me especially, but I'm going to have to go with uneven. I do agree on that. The Constructicons, you can tell by looking at the pictures about the scale difference between the two, but that's not as epic as it should be. Because the Autobots themselves are huge, and he's towering over them. They really could have done a little better than that, I agree with you. Uh, let's see. What do you think, Pat? Do you have a good or a bad? Something like that. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the story somewhat as far as getting a little bit more, like you had said, you know, it's been five issues being built up of what's happening here with Shockwave and we're finally starting to see him do something with it mm-hmm. and to get to build his Constructicons. In order to do that, he got that little spark or whatever from Optimus a while back, right? Before right. Optimus handed it off to Buster. That is what is assumed. It really isn't clear yeah and that's where i was i think i was confused back then too mm-hmm. yeah i think we talked about that last time i was confused as a kid about it and i read it over and over again and it just that that's implied but not quite clear don't think as a kid i had i mean i had a few transformers at the time mm-hmm. i know i had inse- insecticons so i'm waiting for those to show up yeah, they're coming in a bit. My brother had wound up collecting all of the Constructicons, oh, so that was cool. But the odd thing about those toys, just because uh, they're always being made up of different toy lines from Japan, the Merge Devastator is only slightly bigger than Optimus, the toy Optimus Prime. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering that, too, because I'm like, I thought these were like little or small, like, you know, they like are. bumblebee size kind of guys, right? Yeah, yeah, they're a little bigger than that, but they don't make that big of a gestalt. Yeah, I was going to point out just as an interesting, uh, this is the first time that the phrase Autobots transform is used in the comic. Or oh, really? Transform. Okay. Yep. Before that, they would say convert to Earth modes or something along those lines. We're going to start seeing little bits of that because the cartoon had been out. You know, they both started at the same time, but it's... It's easier to produce the cartoons. So there were so many of them. And so you're going to start seeing things in the comic to try to more accurately reference the cartoons. And I imagine that was probably due to Hasbro saying, hey, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. That'll be kind of fun to kind of look through as we go on. So let's talk about Huffer for a little bit. Yeah, let's. (laughs) People don't seem too excited about Huffer. I I never heard it to say about him later. I've never heard a Huffer, and his name sounds kind of funny. Like, he sits around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could get back to Cybertron. <laughs> <laughs> this place is bumming me out, man. <laughs> so, I, actually, I, think, I don't know if that was on purpose, but that's actually a really decent uh, mimicking of his voice in the cartoon. Oh, is it really? Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. like a whiny just, voice, doesn't he? Yeah. He seemed like a little whiner. And uh, in the Army, we used to have what we call blanket parties. Yeah. Or, uh, somebody needs to throw Huff for a little blanket party Put some fiber in his diet His military discipline has gone out the window He put his whole team at risk Because he's homesick They're all freaking homesick <laughs> They've been on this planet for like 8 million years It said So get over it Huffer Do what you gotta do And if he's so strong They said he was like the strongest of that group that went out there They needed to put a better group together Yeah that was what I was gonna Piggyback on top of that prowl who is the Autobot commander at this time with Prime being out of commission, who is supposed to be this giant logic person who picks all the best things, somehow chose Huffer. I was going to say it was something like, well, maybe they needed him to, uh, you know, because he was working on the same thing. They needed him to be able to know how to do it. But they had no idea what 
they were they going out to see. They, yeah. They just knew that the Constructicons were going somewhere, and apparently this was enough to all go there. Well, they even said, I think at one point in time, they're like, Huffer, you're the strongest of, them. You, of us. You need to go destroy that satellite dish. And I'm <laughs> like, he's the strongest? He's the strongest you've got? You need to do a tactical retreat, rethink this. Huffer's pretty strong. We'll go with that in the, the spotlight, not to spoil who I'm talking about in the spotlight. Okay. Did not like Huffer. I'll just leave it at that. All right. You will not get any sort of argument from me or Ryan Daly, who's listening at home. I think he hates Huffer more than Gears. I wonder if there are any Huffer fans out there. If there are, I'd love to hear from them. Huffer should have just passed the Dolce on the left-hand side and just... Yeah, exactly, man. (laughs) And I'm looking at the panel you're talking about. Ironhide's yelling at him, you're the strongest, smash that thing that you're like right by it. He's like, well, I don't know, guys, do you think we could communicate with Cybertron? Have you (laughs) noticed there's a gigantic green and purple robot that's killing us? Yeah, and you have no idea what message that the Decepticons are sending out. So you need to shut that down. You need to (laughs) shut that down yesterday. So we can all put our checkbook. (laughs) Puffer, big no. Yep. Got another good and bad, Pat? I'll say a few things. Good. I liked actually seeing Buster and, you know, him helping out his dad and his uh, spark plug coming back. And Yeah, I like that too, Pat. Yeah, he got control of uh, what he could do and he, you know, his dad was like, man, I got all this work to do and comes back and, you know, Buster took care of it and did extra work. So I'm like, ah, good on you, Buster. I'm sorry, I'm still picking my jaw up over the fact that you just had something positive to say about Buster. I liked Buster too, man. I thought thought he was really interesting. My my frame of reference with Buster Witwicky is from the movies, and uh, Shiela Boo, for whatever his name is, who who played him. And I, I was fully on board to hate this character when I first saw him pop up in the panel. I was like, man, it's pretty cool. I, I'm really digging this kind of father-son bonding moment. Mm-hmm. And his, his um, I guess you'd call it mechanical telepathy that he seemed. Or, telekinesis. Or a telekinesis. Yeah. Well, he kind of had both because he could like figure things out. It was almost like he could communicate with the engines and figure out the specs and everything. That's that was a, really cool, man. Yeah, that's a cool way of looking at it. I didn't even look think of it along those lines because it's – kept intentionally vague what he can do. Next issue, we're going to see um, a payoff to an earlier setup involving Buster and Barkplug, but I will leave it at that so as not to not to spoil. All right. All right. Well, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm maybe starting to come around on the Buster. Yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. I'm amused by Bomber Bill. Yeah, when, that was my next thing I was going to say, too, Bomber Bill. I thought he, he brought some, some of the fun. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? Hacksaw Jim Duggan. (laughs) Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Heck yes. Or maybe like uh, Rock and Roll from uh, Who's Seen Better Days. Yeah, Rock and Roll after he left the army. (laughs) Didn't have to do PT in the morning. (laughs) And I also love that when he goes to the diner, he was whipping out and showing his pictures to everybody. It's like he goes to this diner all the time. They've seen the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell this is a guy that really wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. And that was kind of endearing. But I think someone should have sat down. Like, if he had a good friend to say, look, Bill, number one, truck's insured. Let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, we could just Uber you home to your family at this point, man. There are other ways to get home. Just let that truck go. But it's Betsy. No, Betsy. (laughs) Betsy, I I need to... Man, and Bomber Bill winds up being a quicker convert to their cause than Huffer, who's been fighting for four million years. 
what, they're here to protect us? Okay, I'm going to drive my truck that I just uh, risked life and limb to get back and smash that right into this thing. And that's- Yeah, he, he's very much a zero to 60 kind of guy. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no middle gear with this guy. And how is he tracking them? Oh, they drove off that way. Are they driving that slow that he's able I, to run, you know? Because plot. At first, I couldn't even figure out that the trucks were being brought with. I thought that the construction counts were just plowing through them, and he was just rushing after, running after them. But apparently part of it, the reason he was chasing after them was that they had the truck. Otherwise, I was like, why are you chasing these things? And even so, like Jason said, why are you chasing these things? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just like, man, this is weird. I'm, I'm not getting involved in this. I did like the characterization of him. I liked how he really became a real person pretty early on and had yeah. and got to go home, whereas Huffer doesn't because he sucks. Well, you know, Huffer's just going to have to suck it up and drive on. You know what I'm saying? He's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, roll out. I, that's right. I've, I've read one issue of Transformers so far, and I already don't like Huffer. <laughs> well, good. You can stay. Because I don't know what you'd what, what we'd do if you were suddenly if it turned into a giant debate on the merits or lack of merits on Huffer, but I think we're all on the same page there. You got another uh, good bad or something to say, Jason? Uh, yeah, I really liked uh, Laserbeak. I thought that little that weapon, that chemical spray that he had that dissolved all the metals of the soldiers' weapons and the armor and everything. I thought that was super cool. See, the Decepticons have their act together. They've got a well-executed plan. They're executing as a unit. Yeah, I think smart money is on the bad guys right now if the good guys don't pull it together pretty quick. You will see that throughout this run. The Decepticons have already shown us up to this point and will continue to do so that they are just better at this. Mm -hmm. Let's do a quick recap. They got control of the arc. They got Optimus Prime's head. Some sparky thing that made them, that allowed them to make this huge Constructicon thing. They have almost completed Jetfire. They've got their communication satellite. While Huffer's whining about communicating back home to Cybertron, these cats are actually doing it, getting their message out. Man, Decepticons all the way right now, I'm afraid. I agree with you about Laserbeak's metal melting bomb. That's a really neat effect and would be one hell of a powerful weapon against other robots it's really smart i mean it like it just completely neutralized the whole army without actually have to kill anybody just one chemical spray and they're just like oh yes it's kind of like the reverse <laughs> of a neutron bomb it just destroys the the metal the weaponry and then the people are fine so let me ask this with the constructicon when they combine are they all trying to vie for control of it? Uh, no, they are a gestalt. They are a different being that the that six of them together kind of combine to form. And it's hard to maintain. And it seemed like they were having a hard time when there were a lot of little Autobots around them to figure out how to, you know, how to prioritize their attack, mm-hmm. who to go after first. And, and so that could be. Uh, something the Autobots could use to their advantage if if they can't work that out. Yeah, and you can kind of see why. I mean, he's essentially a prototype. I mean, the, the yeah. Autobots look at him like, what the heck is going on? I've never seen this sort of yeah. thing. So this is the first attempt at it. We will see, minor spoiler, but we will see more of these things because the toys. Yeah. I've just got mm-hmm. two more things that I want to say. 
One, I'm really interested in what message was sent. Mm, I had that too. Yeah. That's really a, that's a bit of a mystery right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We'll just tune in Amen. for another, I'd say, seven issues. Okay. And I and I'm interested in Jetfire as well too. Yeah, yeah that was another one of my comments. Yeah, he looked cool. I didn't know, or at least I don't remember that he was a Decepticon. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more uh, next month, I'd imagine. But in both the cartoon and the and the comics, he starts off as a Decepticon and then switches over. So see, I was kind of wondering if, like, because I I got the sense that is it Soundwave or Shock Shockwave Shockwave that's masterminding this? Yeah. So Shockwave was thinking that Optimus still had that magic spark thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to use that magic spark to give life to Jetfire. But if Optimus really doesn't have it, there's an opportunity here where the Autobots could possibly oh, I come. I know what's going mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah? You want to share it with us or just uh, pretend that you were right next month? Uh, well, I'll, I'll do my predicament here. Okay. I'm going to say that somehow Buster gets involved here and mm-hmm. converts this guy to Autobot somehow. That's kind of what I was thinking. And just for the record, it's it's predicting, not predicament. Those are two oh. different things. Did I say predicament? <laughs> well, I got a predicament trying to predict things. So. There you go. Good catch. It's not really that particular. Well, thanks, by the way, for giving me next month's uh, previously on Transformers Chronicles. Yeah. With oh, uh, I've got just one more thing that's more of a philosophical question because it's just the idea that you can create Transformers and make them either Autobots and Decepticons. It's like they're the crusty doll on the old Simpsons Halloween episode that has a lever that can go from good to evil, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> because in the later comics, particularly the IDW uh, ones. The war is definitely list- depicted as being a battle between ideologies that people have chosen to be on one side or the other and can right. switch back and forth. In this one, it just seems you're either an Autobot or you're a Decepticon and you fight because one of you are good guys and one of the other are bad guys and everybody seems to know which is which and goes like that. But the implications of being able to program someone to be good or evil, and then to reprogram someone to be otherwise are the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm just going with it right now because I don't know yeah. any better. Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's some deep thoughts there, John. I think what makes a being sentient? I mean, if the being can't choose for itself whether it's going to be good or evil, if something else or someone else is making that choice for them, then can those beings be considered? good or evil or are they just tools that that's a very good way to put it and that's kind of along the lines of what i was talking about i mean according to the canon as of right now these are uh, the product of what is referred to as naturally um, evolving pulleys levers and gears they apparently evolved on another planet in metallic form rather than organic which is bloody impossible but there we go And even in that, it looked like it was an ideological difference. But here may be Shockwave, which, now that I'm thinking about it, does fit totally in with Shockwave's um, appearances in other media of him being a guy who would totally 
be the kind of person to reprogram someone to be the way he wanted if it served his needs. So that would almost make the Constructicons really tragic if they're the first ones to be to have no real choice. Yeah. But I'm going to think about that a lot, Jason. Just are they really sentient or do they really or do they appear to be? It's like any AI. How would you know? I mean, they would pass the Turing test. If you put one behind a, a panel and a human behind a panel and asked it questions, you would think that you were talking to a thinking a reacting being. But if it's just that good at recognizing algorithms and, and responding to the right thing. That's well, the, I mean, yeah, the Turing test, I mean, it would be more, I imagine, than just, you know, the vocal responses. I mean, what makes people who they are is the things that they've been exposed to, genetics, their mm-hmm. how they've how they've responded to stimuli over the years, accumulated, you know, experiences. So, I mean, you would hope that what makes the Autobots Autobots is that they, you know, or they they embrace a path of, of, I guess, enlightenment, for lack of a better term, and care for others and the Decepticons. And belief that freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, these are... Questions better posed by deeper philosophers than me, but yeah, it is kind of a fun one to think about. <laughs> we are going, we're going yeah. deep. I, on I this, just want man. to read a comic. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Delvin leaves for ten minutes, and this whole thing changes around into <laughs> philosophy two thirty. Don't think he's not going to give me any crap about this discussion either. <laughs> oh, uh, well, those of you on the Twitters and whatnot, um, what do you think about that? Just, I would love to actually engage in any number of conversations about the fate versus free will or sentience versus appearance of that. And even Pat will talk about it, too. We will make him. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I like being guns. <laughs> I like robots. Well, I was going to say, you know, we're going back to Jetfire, Jason, mm. Jetfire is my Sky Striker. Oh, boy. Yeah, Jetfire does look pretty cool now that I've seen him. I can understand that. If I could get a Jetfire, man, my day oh, would be made. That would be your Christmas, huh? Yeah, that'd be my Christmas. You should, there's a newer Jetfire that came out that's uh, pretty cool. I, can, I cannot believe the detail on these things of the ones that are coming out lately. Well, if it, if it looks just like the Veritech from Robotech, that's what I want. <laughs> There are some that do, and there's some that look more like how they are, how he is in the comic. That's another thing we'll talk about next month for sure. I want him for the Robotech look, though. The yeah. original one reminded me of Robotech. I'm like, oh, man, that's so sweet. It should remind you of it because it's exactly the same model, which led to all sorts of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, does anybody else have anything else they want to say about this issue? No, man, I think we about covered it. Yeah, deeply into that, too. Yeah, we, we went deep into issue 10. <laughs> you never know where Transformers Chronicles the Marvel Years will take you. Now it is time for us to ask who had the touch. The segment where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or human. You got the touch! You got the power! Jason, why don't you go first? Who in your mind had the touch? Well, I'm going to have to go Decepticon with this one and go with Shockwave. Shockwave's plan is coming together spectacularly well. Even though he didn't quite get the signal strength and duration that he wanted from that uh, communication speaking, he got that thing off. 
He neutralized the uh, army uh, that was outside his perimeter. Everything's looking up for shockwave right now. All right. Another one for shockwave. We should start keeping tabs on yeah. or tallies on the shockwave. Gets a lot of touches, as it were. Of course, he doesn't have that spark now, and he doesn't know it yet. So there's a little chink in the armor, but still shockwave is racking up a heck of a score. Ah, very good choice. No argument here, Pat. What do you think? Who had the touch? I'm going to go with Bomber Bill. Bomber Bill. Yeah. Bomber Bill was one of my alternates. Yeah. Yes. I like the guy. He, I warmed up to him right away and, you know, he came in, told Huffer what was what and why, you know, and just said, hey, you know, it's all right. We, everyone makes mistakes, blah, 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 and it's all part of being who we are. I will have to agree with you, Pat. Uh, oh. Bomber Bill is my choice as well. Because Bomber Bill was the only good guy that did anything properly in this episode. And when we see what goes on further down the line, you'll realize how much he saved. Oh, okay. Because Huffer ruined a lot of things, which we will get to later. Will Bomber Bill come back? Uh, Alas, no. This is all about Bomber Bill. I thought for sure we'd see some more Bomber Bill. Bob likes to create these one-shot characters who are all really fun. Besides Buster and and the and Sparkplug and the others who will come back repeatedly, he tends to make one of the last one or two issues. But he's a very good characterization. I really liked what I've said before about how real Bomber Bill seemed. Yeah. Especially I, with this little amount of time that we got with him. Mm-hmm. And if we've talked about the touch, then we have to talk about who is out of touch. Uh, we are talk about the character that was the worst in the book who should be punched in the face by a robot six times their size in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. But I am just a broken machine and I do things that I don't really mean long like night. Should we all go on three? all right one two three huffer Uh, yeah we all picked huffer (laughs) do we have to explain why i don't think so i think we said enough before yeah yeah i think you if you read the comic book you definitely get it if you've listened to the podcast to this point you get it as well absolutely Okay, so moving along, uh, now is the time for the overall ratings for this book. To recap for the audience, we will honor the old tech specs, which came with every Transformers toy and gave a rating of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being non-functional at all. I will go first. I'm going to just give this one a 9. Uh, it's higher than I usually rate. I mean, there were some flaws in the art and stuff, but I'm like Pat and I'm a story guy above all. And this was a rather solid story that I was entertained by from beginning to end. It's got some great characters. It's got some action. It's got a brand new giant robot. It's got uh, mystery. It's got questions and a great cliffhanger like usual. So this gets a nine. What do you think, Pat? I'm not going to go as high as a nine. I'm going to go with an eight. Um, it did have great story. Pretty long word-wise, too, I think. Uh, yeah, I was like, did Chris Claremont write yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> Man, this thing is long. But, Bob and Chris both can definitely, you yeah. should read some of the Sleepwalkers. He can go on for a bit. But I definitely enjoyed, you know, the story that they were telling. And it, it filled in some other background information and, and moved the story along here. So, giving it an eight. That leaves Jason, our guest. Jason, what do you think? 
Uh, I'm going to agree with uh, my fellow crusader there and say it's an eight for me as well. This is definitely above average. I think, like you said, it had a good plot, had a good bit of action. Took a little bit for it to take off for me, but I'll admit, I was reading this late at night after a, a long day's work, and I didn't fall asleep. So that, hey. that tells you that I was into it. If it had a little bit better art, I think I could have gone a little bit higher, but I'll, I'll stick with an eight. I probably would have gone with an eight as well, but I figured Delvin would have picked a nine. So in honor of our missing uh, Chronicler, I went with nine. Jason, do you think you're interested in more? Transformers? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this, was, this is really good. Oh, yeah. If I find some in a, uh, in a bin or out and about, i definitely pick them up. If I got some in a mystery box, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shipping them off. They'd be going into my read pile. Awesome. And I'm curious to um, hear about what you think of, of future ones as it goes on. So don't be a stranger. Oh, I won't. No, I listen religiously. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I know a little bit more because I've listened to the show for a while now. Well, we can and will never leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformers Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer which features in today's issue. Take it away, John. Thanks, Pat. All right. Today we are covering... (sighs) Huffer. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Huffer, here is what you would find out if you bought Huffer's toy or received it as a Christmas present like I did. He was the first. Here's what it says on the back. His allegiance is Autobot. His function is construction engineer. His motto, like everything else about him, is really lame, which is molecular structure is the key to success. Is it now, Huffer? Is it now? Huffer is cynical, hard-boiled, and pessimistic. He H2 no. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at the world through sludge-covered windshields. He will complain it can't be built, then builds it anyway. He's not too sociable, but he's absolutely reliable. I quibble with that. Arm sensors can test materials for strength, heat, resistance, elasticity, etc. Extremely strong, superior mathematical and geometrical abilities. Often unhappy and homesick for Cybertron. Well, that's... <laughs> we've got a bit of that uh, this yeah. time. Huffer's strength is 7. Remember, all of this is on a scale of 1 to 10. So he's, of the ones we've Pretty seen, strong, he would yeah. be... Yeah, he's a little stronger than Cliff Jumper and not as strong as Gears. Hmm. His intelligence is 8... That's pretty sharp. His speed is five. So for a little tiny semi, that's that's all right. He gets around. Endurance, seven. His rank is six. His courage is eight. His firepower is one. That means no firepower. And his skill is nine. Huffer sucks. No one likes him. He has a dumb voice that everyone hates on the cartoon, and his actions in this issue lead directly to really bad things. Luckily, he is not in the comics very often. We saw him a little bit in issue four and in this one, but that's about it. Uh, we'll see him in the background occasionally, but he doesn't do much anything. Puffer's toy made the scaling issues of trying to make a toy line out of several different toy companies really apparent. I mean, he's one of the mini bots like Bumblebee, Clipjumper, Gears, but he transforms into a semi cab. Now, it was a very small semi cab, which when you then put it next to Optimus Prime looked absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this was exacerbated in an unintentionally hilarious cartoon segment in which he offers to pull Prime's trailer for him, and Prime agrees, and he looks 
looks exactly like a toy truck pulling a real trailer. Now, the only redeeming quality whatsoever of this guy is that his mold is used in creating another mini Autobot, which comes along later, whose name is Pipes. Yeah. Huffer and Pipes. Huffer Sounds and like pipes. another cop show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Huffer and Pipes import exporting. Oh, somebody needs to make that webcomic now. Used with the toys, just have them together. Have them Huffer do something stupid, and Pipes is like, Huffer, Huffer and Pipes. Get on that internet. But Pipes, despite having many of the flaws of being the exact same size as Hoffer, he is not at all uncool. I know this is true because my wife likes Pipes and she only likes good things. But Hoffer? To paraphrase the friend of the show, Ryan Daly, Hoffer is awful. He's worse than Gears. And that's what we have, gentlemen. A robot worse than Gears. Oh, I think we have time for one more promo break, and then we will come back and do the transmission section and wrap things up. We'll be right back. The Transformers will return after these messages. Wednesday! 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 At Frenzy Motor Speedway. Watch Mean Green Infected Spleen Turbo Blast the seals off the competition in his devastating Aspen Dragon. See Rolling Thunder Carnes crank up the 16-valve madness in his overblown and deadly El Camino Maxica. Watch the big boys rampage down the full page spread. Spinnerack Mayhem with five Wednesday May. Head to head, neck and neck, roaring down the pool list of death. Every Wednesday while the electricity holds out. It's... It's, it's the Professor, Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. If you like indie comics and also like podcasts, please try the Professor Frenzy Show. Find the show in iTunes search and Facebook. Episodes tweeted out on at Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. Now it's time for Transmissions, where we both heap praise upon the audience for listening to us and then read some of their comments, emails, etc. And we do really appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show, which these guys don't get in real life. So they particularly uh, like it. That's true. We don't. Or at least I don't. But... So we've got social media likes, shares, and retweets from... These are from Episode 8, Transformer Chronicles. And we're going to start off with Aaron Head Moss. Followed by Aaron Henley. Hey, Aaron, listen to his podcast about Mobile Suit Gundam. Good stuff. And action film face-off. You know what you worth? Go out and get what you worth. (laughs) (laughs) And we left our wallet with Elsa Dino. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gots, gots to get it. Angelica Fetty Wolf. Austin Kuykendall. Black Rocks Toy Box. Bob Roland from Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Bradford William. Captain Marvel Sazam. All right, here's the one we've all been waiting for. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. No, 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 no. Down the highway. No, 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 no. You don't like that one? Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I mean, baby, you just ain't seen 
Nothing yet. Clifford Alvarez. Clinton Robinson. CMJ's Hot Summer Nights. With a K. Coffee and Comics. Collateral Cinema. Debash. Is that right? (laughs) Derek William Crabb. And his jacket. Dr. G. Neurologist. Fabio Oliveira. Fan Film Friday's podcast. Fan Holes podcast. Gene Hendricks. Grant Carlton. Green Lantern HD. Thanks, GL. Hal Jordan. Hokoff. Homeschooled Film School. Ivan Cooley Chudley Chudley. <laughs> Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. I know that guy. <laughs> he knows what he did. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, I know this next guy, too. Jason Albrecht. Hey, he knows what he did, too. Jay Sandlin. Jeff Polier. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. Justice's First Dawn. Kirk Spencer loves Sergeant Rock and Atari Force. Don't we all? The Lovely Laurel. Maggie from Married with Comics Podcast. Ooh. I know her. Yeah, I think she's in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) Mallory Brown. Mark Baker Wright. Max Traver. Mike Holmes. Hi, Mike. Mike got to see Cybertronic Spree over the weekend, and I'm incredibly jealous. If you don't know who Cybertronic Spree is... Google them or look them up on YouTube and prepare for fun. That's awesome. Okay. They uh, dress up like Transformers and sing songs from the movie and other um, cartoon theme songs that are great. Mike, Cybert Radio. Thanks a heck of a lot, Mike. You do good stuff. Oscar Ramos. Ramos. Philip O.H. Radioactive Dinosaur. Revolution Sports Card. Rick Heineken. Not only do we like him monthly, weekly, but we always like him Ryan Daly. Speaking of Ryan's, we have Ryan Legs. He got legs. He knows how to use them. That one I sing. I never sing the BTO on the <laughs> Ryan Williams. Ciscoid. Tatterell Grigsby. The Hammer Strikes. And random geeky stuff. Tim Price, come on down. Timmy! Trentus Magnus. Give him a beat! Uh, ain't no packing like the unpacking power of the unpacking power of the power of Don't stop! My wife insists that I say Oregon, the champagne of beers. <laughs> and finally, some guy named Weasel Skull. Mm-hmm. If we happen to miss a few, we apologize, except for those that we deliberately did not say, and you know who you are. I'm totally kidding when I say that, guys. I, some of you actually did ask me if I meant that, and I do not. It's just a bit. Certainly a good problem to have, but we absolutely do not want to forget to recognize every anybody. Just, just give us a message on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will correct it next issue. All right, moving on to the transmission segment. We will read some of the comments that we have gotten to you on Facebook, Twitter, or other places on the intertubes. The interweb, unlike Huffer, is not a truck. It is a series of tubes. Some of you out there will get it. I don't get it. I'll explain it later. Okay. I get it. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> Starting with Green Lantern HG. Am I the only one thinking about the Dinobots hidden in the snow? It's not one, not two, but all four of them. 
That's a very good point that we didn't cover. And Ratchet's grand plan, which was set up to fail, and then he wanted it a different way. He apparently walked all of the Dinobots up to that spot on the mountain, buried them in the snow, and then smoothed it out so it wasn't obvious that he'd buried them out in the snow, and then waited for Megatron all in the course of what was probably a couple of hours. <laughs> that guy can do stuff. So I'm looking at one from Laurel at Mountain Flyer, and it says, Hey, at D-Ray 1977, you suck. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Laurel wouldn't say that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, D-Ray 1977. I'm kidding, Laurel. It says, Laurel at Mountain Flyer, Hey, at D-Ray 1977, I'm one of the fans of Transformers Chronicles that was at Heroes Con. I checked by at Yard Sale Artist Table to say hello on the Friday afternoon I was there, but kept missing you. Always enjoy listening to these episodes. Yeah, we were moving all around out there at, at Heroes Con, and we met a lot of folks, and it's always fun to meet fans out there, and I'm sure uh, D-Ray uh, will catch you next time. It was I fun. need to go to that one of these years. I had a fun time hanging out with Laura. I got to kind of walk around with her a little bit, and the Sutherlands as well at Heroes Con. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. See Laurel again. Uh, pick another one. Uh, one from Homeschooled Film School at Daily James Hibbs. And he says, wait, I've been missing out. I must catch up on everything the folks in your circle have been doing on the original Transformer comics. Where does this start? Well, it starts here. It just uh, You can look it up on Transformers Chronicles. You can find it at the Longbox Crusade, or it has its own separate feed, too, so you can catch up on the other nine episodes we've done. Wow. Can you guys believe it? Ah, uh, they've been nine good episodes, too. Well, at least eight. But- yeah. <laughs> Give me a point five at least. An 8.5. All right, good. We don't do uh, halves on this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, eight it is. <laughs> Ryan Daly says, great episode, guys. As I've mentioned to John and Maggie, my favorite aspect of Transforms was the in disguise part. I like that they could blend in with things we see in the world. And I think that's why I never loved the Dinobots as much as others did, because giant gunmetal dinosaurs weren't as commonplace as a Camaro or Boombox. They could be entertaining, but give me Hound and Blue Streak over Slag and Sludge any day. Ryan will be a contrarian about literally anything you give him. No. I completely get that. Ryan is going to be a future guest on the Rod Pod where we do talk about that very thing at length. So all of you should tune in for that. Nice. My ears on. I'll turn my sound wave just to listen in. <laughs> I don't got one of those either, but if I did, I would tune it in. Unleash laser peak. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read this next one as sound wave. How about that? Okay. This is from T Baish. This was my first issue. Bought at a newsstand in Biloxi, Mississippi. Read it a ton that summer. Unleash Ravager. <laughs> I made that last part up. Oh, it's Ravager. <laughs> I'm the upgraded model. I added the ER. <laughs> Black Rock's Toy Box says, Dinobots debut, not counting the fact that they were all mentioned by name four issues previously. Nobody likes a pedant Black Rock's Toy Box. No, it's a good point. They were mentioned before they debuted four issues into it, which really gives an idea of how quickly... They were incorporated into the original toy line. Both Shockwave and the Dinobots were the first ones of the new ones to come out. I'll take one from Jeff Polier, and he says, Thanks for sharing, Rick. I'm going to give this show a try. So I want to appreciate Rick Heineken uh, for sharing this out on his social medias. I think this is a great example of spreading the word and getting uh, this show into other people's ears. So we really do appreciate it, and thanks, everybody, for listening and the likes and shares. 
Indeed. Yeah, and if you didn't like this one, Jeff, just wait one more. We'll have uh, <laughs> the dark web back in his usual position. Hal Jordan popped in to say, hashtag Megatron can fly. Megatron can fly in the cartoon. He can't fly in the comic book. And it's silly that he can fly in the cartoon because he's a gun. And why would they even transform into things if they can just fly everywhere? That's a good point. He also says, hashtag till all are chudley. Oh, and my buddy Rob Wilkinson, who I know from elsewhere on the inner tubes. Don't think I had any Dinobots, but I did have an Insecticon and a couple of Constructicons. Cool beans, Rob. Thanks for popping by. All right. And that, as we say, is the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where Delvin will be back and tell us how we screwed everything up with him gone. We'll have to quick move all of the stuff so we won't know what to do. Uh, next issue, we cover Transformers issue 11. Jason, before we let you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on the interwebs? Well, thank you very much. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, and you can also find him all along the Longbox Crusade, which is available in a lot of places. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, most podcatchers to uh, otherwise directly at the longboxcrusade.com. At Twitter, it's at Longbox Crusade. Facebook, Longbox Crusade. Instagram, Longbox Crusade. Patreon, Longbox Crusade. And at YouTube, you can subscribe. Look for Longbox Crusade. Subscribe. Hit the little bell so you know when the do it live stream episodes come out, which is once a month, every second Sunday. When does that start? 3.30 Central Time. Best thing about those is that I'm not on those. So the <laughs> thousands of views that don't, yeah, I should pop back and be on one of those one of these times. But for the rest of you that are sick of me, you can get these guys without me being uh, around to mess stuff up. You can also uh, email them at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Check out the Rod Pod where my wife Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. <laughs> we also do Married with Comics where we talk about everything else comic and nerd related. You can find both of those under Married with Comics on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcaster places. Or at MWC underscore podcast on Twitter or look for The Married with Comics podcast on Facebook or MarriedWComics at gmail.com. Com. What about you, Pat? Where can we find you? Well, you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And Delvin, who's not here, can be found at D underscore Ray 1977. You can tell him how much you missed him. Or, or you can go visit him. He's over on uh, Check Out Action Film Face Off. Episode. Yeah, he's sitting in for me. Yes. Everybody, make sure you check out Action Film Face Off, starring our co-host and our, our usual host, Delvin. I am sure it will be a hoot and a wonderful thing. So, with that, see you next time. And remember, as a wise Autobot once said, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are, are one. one. Till all are one. Till all are one. Woo. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah.
Song clips and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. You know just what it takes, you're a fighter. 